Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. DeJounte Murray, Bruce Brown, Kyle Kuzma, and a very talented big man whose name you haven't heard much about lately. We're going to get into all that as we dig into the latest from NBA trade season here on the latest edition of This League Uncut. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's show time. Boom shakalaka. This League Uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one. Hey, everyone. Welcome in to the latest edition of This League Uncut. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes taping on a Sunday night. It'll be Monday morning by the time this episode drops. We're within three weeks now, less than three weeks to go until the NBA trade buzzer, February 8th, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's when the deadline sounds, the buzzer sounds, rather. We've already seen OG Ananobi traded. We've already seen Pascal Siakam traded. But rest assured, there will be plenty more action. So Chris and I today, what we came up with, we are going to do some trade deadline, give and go, two topics each. I'm going to put the ball in your court first, Mr. Haynes, because on Friday afternoon, You got everybody revved up. You did a live stream on Bleacher Report, and you reported that the Milwaukee Bucks are trying to barge their way into the chase for DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. I think with Siakam and Ananobi off the board with all the struggles Chicago has had trying to find any sort of trade market for Zach Levine. DeJounte Murray, you can definitely make the case that he is the most decorated player who is who would be classified as likely to move between now and the deadline he is certainly more likely to move at this point than Levine and I think he is also more likely to move than Jeremy Grant in Portland the signals from the Blazers to this point anyway have been that Portland is not very interested in fielding pitches on Jeremy Grant. So 
You know, you've been saying you've come on this pod multiple times here in recent weeks. You said you thought DeJounte Murray was going to be moved. You said you thought Siakam was going to be moved, and that happened already. DeJounte Murray, do the Bucs have any chance here? The question I have really is, you know, Atlanta is known to want two first-round picks at least for, for DeJounte Murray. That's what they're hoping to recoup after they traded so much to get him. Can the Bucs manufacture two first-round picks to become a factor in this chase? Yeah, the only way, you know, I've heard that as well as far as what Atlanta is seeking in return. You have to remember what they gave up to get DeJounte. Again, that was a different regime. That was before Landry Fields um, took over as general manager. But they got, let me see, they gave away three first-round picks and a a first-round pick swap um, in that deal. So they're not getting that back in return. So, you know, I I was told as well um, it's going to take at least two firsts and I was told also a quality player. So with that being said, the Bucks do not have the picks. So if the Bucks were really serious about getting engaged in trying to acquire DeJounte Murray, it's going to take some assistance because um, they do not have the picks. Now, you can make the case that maybe they have a quality player that um, Atlanta might find attractive. But now it's the, the tall order of finding those picks. Where do you go? Who has that? Who can help facilitate? And I think that's where the Milwaukee is at right now. Um, again, I when I when I brought up Milwaukee, there was nothing to the sentiment of there being um, dialogue where they're exchanging um, offers. It hasn't gotten to that point. But I do know for sure Milwaukee has reached out and expressed interest and in trying to see um, what Atlanta wants to do, the likelihood of them moving to Jante, things of that nature. So I wouldn't dismiss Milwaukee just because they lack the picks right now. Uh, they're, they're calling for a reason, and, um, and that's, that's a start. But I do think, Stein, to piggyback on what you said, I, I – I feel pretty strongly about DeJounte Murray being moved before the deadline. I, I I would echo that. And I guess, look, the reason that the Bucks would be interested is pretty clear. I mean, they are just not defensively what we've seen in recent years. Damian Lillard has certainly given the offense a gear it didn't have before, but with no Drew Holiday there, they are struggling defensively in the backcourt and something they need to address. Yeah. I mean, they're struggling all over the, over the board, but yeah, they, they will, they, they, they do require a point of attack defender. And when you look at the names, you know, we talked about DeJounte and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that fit that mold. And I know we're playing this game, but allow me Stein to, to just throw out some names out there that uh, that could help Milwaukee. Um, you're talking about somebody like Alex Caruso. Talking about somebody like Dorian Finney-Smith. Talking about somebody who we're going to – I'll let you get to that. I won't bring up his name, but we'll get to that when you when you come about. But uh, somebody like Matisse Thibel. 
So these are all names out there that are circulating that, that has some links to the Milwaukee Bucks um, as being that guy that they can plug in to be that point of attack defender. So they, they definitely look need help. And I will say this, Stein, Milwaukee is being very aggressive out there. That's what I've heard. They're being very aggressive in surveying the market, seeing what's available, seeing what players are available. So there, John Horst, the GM over there with the Bucks, he's – He's working those phones for sure. And that's probably, I guess, the most important takeaway here, that we know the Bucks are obviously limited what they have asset-wise after all they gave up to trade for Damian Lillard. But the realization that they do need to make a move, they still need more. The way this first half of the season has unfolded, yes, the Bucks are incredibly potent offensively, Yes, as an offensive duo, Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo have a very high ceiling, but even though the gap in the standings between Boston and Milwaukee is not significant, not that significant, clearly the Bucks feel like they need something else in season to make sure that they can get out of the East because Boston has been tremendous. Philadelphia has not made its major post-James Harden move yet, but the Sixers are right there. And now even the chasing pack in the East is tougher, given that Indiana has just upgraded significantly by bringing in Pascal Siakam and giving Tyrese Halliburton a max player sidekick. Cleveland has been fantastic, resilient, to really hang in there without Garland, without Mobley. They've weathered their injuries and you know they're still in the mix for a top four seed. The Knicks look better since getting Ananobi. We know the Heat are always on the prowl. So, you know, the whole East ladder, at least the top half of the East ladder with Orlando still at number eight as one of the surprise teams in the league this season. But, the East overall one to eight is better than it was. And so just the fact that the Bucks are so aggressively looking, that does say something for sure. Give me a name that you're hearing as far as who you think could be moved or just, just give me a name that you think, or give me a name and what you're hearing about this particular player that could be uh, dealt by the trade deadline. Well, look, since the Siakam trade and – Toronto made the trade when it did for multiple reasons. On one level, the Raptors, they did the deal with Indiana because I think they realized that they weren't going to get a stronger offer anywhere else. The Pacers were very motivated to bring in Pascal Siakam. They had the leverage to do it without including guys like Benedict Maturin and Jarris Walker, Jalen Smith, Andrew Nebhard. It was a deal for the Raptors to be able to acquire multiple first-round picks, but they got Bruce Brown in that deal. And they knew that if they got Bruce Brown with three weeks to go before the trade deadline, which is basically when they acquired him, they knew that they could potentially trade Bruce Brown on his own and potentially recoup further assets, which 
would certainly change the way that the Raptors are being graded for this trade. There is so much talk in Toronto and Masai Ujiri sat the other day for an hour taking every single possible question from the Toronto press pack because Masai Ujiri is getting questioned louder than he ever has since he's been running the Raptors. Did you hang on to OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet too long? These are the questions that Masai Ujiri is facing louder and more frequently than he ever has. But again, we might have to reevaluate how we grade this trade and the Raptors haul for trading Pascal Siakam might look different if the Raptors can get another important asset or two by moving Bruce Brown before February 8th. So that was my long-winded intro to the Bruce Brown situation because I wrote about this on my Substack on Sunday. What I'm hearing is the Raptors are telling teams they want at least a first-round pick and a quality player in exchange for Bruce Brown and what is motivating the Raptors to pursue that kind of asking price is their belief that multiple contenders want Bruce Brown. And with that very trade friendly contract that he has, he is very movable. The Raptors cannot aggregate Bruce Brown with any other Raptor between now and February 8th. They can only trade him on his own. But Bruce Brown is making $22 million this season. Next season is a $23 million team option. It's just like the Evan Fournier contract in New York. So basically, a team can trade for him. And if they want to avoid the cap hit completely next season, they can. So the question is, who will ultimately trade for Bruce Brown between now and the deadline? I think the expectation around the league is that there will be another trade that he would be on the move. And I do think there are multiple contenders interested. I'm not even sure we know them all yet. The Lakers and the Knicks have been mentioned the most frequently, but I think the field will expand. And the Raptors certainly believe that if they're expecting to get a first and a player as well. We'll see if in the end they can actually meet those lofty ambitions. The way it was explained to me, Stein, on Bruce Brown is that the Raptors are receiving an abnormal amount of calls regarding BB. Now, um, that, that, and which is amazing considering the fact that, I mean, Bruce even said it himself, last free agency, he really didn't have a market, you know, before he went to, before he signed with Denver. I, think he, I forgot how he said it. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, nobody wanted me. Um, and now, now he's in a situation where team, some teams feel like he's the difference maker. He's going to be that guy that that puts them, puts him over the top, puts them over the top, I should say. And so, uh, kudos to Bruce Brown for um, just improving his game, stick, sticking with it, and um, having a market now. Now, with that being said, Bruce Brown is also a guy that. You know, we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks point of attack defender. That's him. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get any better than than the um than the skill set of a Bruce Brown. And so I, I would be a, he's another guy I would be surprised if Toronto kept. Um I think they won't have a problem at all getting a first and a a player of value back in return. I, I don't see I'll be surprised. Again, I haven't 
I haven't heard anything concrete outside of the Lakers and Knicks interest, but I know there's a lot, lot of other teams that have that definitely have reached out. And um, I, I think Toronto, again, Toronto won't have any problem getting what they want in return. Bruce Brown is that hot of a trade candidate. Well, it's interesting with the Knicks, you know, that they were a team that, that was interested in Brown in the summertime, but now, you know, they have, again, they've since, since the Siakam to Indiana trade went down, the Knicks have been mentioned frequently when it comes to Bruce Brown to me. Stein, before you say that, before you go any further, I did want to say this. I have, I have, I was told the Denver Nuggets would love to have Bruce Brown back. But again, they're in a similar situation like Milwaukee, where they just don't have the the picks. They don't have the picks to to try to do that. But they Bruce Brown know knows how they feel, is what I've been told. Um so that's something to keep an eye on even down the road. Not even talking no, about I've heard his, the same you know, thing that, that Denver would absolutely love if there was a way, if it was in any way feasible. Yeah. For them to try to get Bruce Brown back, they would love to do so. But when you look at the Nuggets contract situations, it's mm. just hard to see a feasible pathway for them to be able to trade for him now without messing with their, their starting five, their rotation. I just don't think yeah. they can do it. And back to the Knicks. Yes, they have had interest in him in the past. The Knicks have really been looking for a scoring guard since they were forced to put Emmanuel quickly in the OG Ananobi trade. And so to me, again, this is this is not this is more analysis than reporting. This is my observation of the situation. I did report last week that the Knicks are a team with interest in Jordan Clarkson. That part is reporting. To me, a pursuit of a Jordan Clarkson or a Malcolm Brogdon would make more sense for the Knicks than trying to get Bruce Brown because, again, I think they are looking for some backcourt scoring punch to try to replace, to replicate in some way what quickly used to give them. And so I do wonder, you know, the Knicks have one of the strongest reserves in the league in terms of trade assets. So they can get in the trade mix really for anyone they'd like to, depending on how serious, how far they want to go. So I imagine with all the winning that Utah has been doing lately, that Danny Ainge has regained some leverage when it comes to Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, who's been great as a starter for the jazz Kelly Olynyk. If anybody wants any of these jazz veterans, it's going to be costlier than it was when this team was seven and 16 compared to the 500 team they were entering play on Sunday. But yeah, I'm just, my sense is the Knicks need a scoring guard more than they need Bruce Brown's particular skill set. And then the Lakers, the, you know, the Lakers thought they were going to be leading the chase in free agency for Bruce Brown. And then that's when Indiana, you know, the teams chasing Bruce Brown were mid-level exception teams. The Lakers probably win that race if Bruce Brown was only commanding the mid-level exception last summer, but then all of a sudden Indiana came in with salary cap space, and that just has to go down as such 
a smart trade because not only did they manage to outbid the competition with a year one salary for Bruce Brown of 22 million as opposed to 12 million in the mid-level range, they tacked on that second year where it was a team option, which made his contract so tradable. And the Pacers, that was such smart business for them, the way they handled Bruce Brown's free agency last summer. We'll see now if the Lakers decide, you know what, Bruce Brown is the guy we should go for. Is Bruce Brown more gettable? Is Bruce Brown available at a price that's more palatable than it would be for the Lakers to try to make the run at DeJounte Murray? Because when it comes to the Lakers trying to get DeJounte Murray to me, all right, we know the Lakers do not want to include Austin Reeves in that deal. The Lakers are pretty much all but treating Austin Reeves as untouchable, even if the Lakers are prepared to use their last available first round pick in an offer for DeJounte Murray, it's basically impossible for them to do that deal without including D'Angelo Russell. And my sense is the Hawks really aren't interested in D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know that even with a Laker first thrown in, are the Hawks going to be willing to take a deal that's built around D'Angelo Russell's contract. So making a play for Bruce Brown might be easier for the Lakers than trying to win the race for DeJounte Murray. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. In this trade deadline, give and go, now I pitch it back to you. Who is the player or team whose trade situation you want to get into? It could be a big name um, and could hold significance next season. But I'm going to tell people about the Portland Trailblazers. They are, there are some teams that are pondering making a move for Robert Williams. Now, I know Robert Williams is he's um, out for the season, had a, another surgery on his right knee. But teams feel like he would be somebody they can get on the cheap right now um, and allow him to continue recovering, continue rehabbing, and in hopes that next season he would be he can blossom back into the the Robert Williams that we've seen when he was playing at his, at a high level with the Boston Celtics. And so, you know, that is a scenario that could play out. There are teams, there are a couple teams that I, that I'm not quite um, ready to reveal. I want to um, want to make a few more calls, but I know there are teams that are pondering making a deal uh, trying to trying to make a deal with the Portland Trailblazers to um, get Robert Williams, where his market value is just not what it what it used to be. So they feel like this is a good time to to make a move in hopes that it can work out for that for that team and Robert Williams in the future as early as next season. And so uh, that's something that, might, that you is, know that is- won't yeah something that won't you know won't be a big significance. Um, in the short term, but long term, very well could be. Well, tell me this. I know you said you can't reveal the teams that you've heard could be interested in such a trade scenario, and I understand that. You've got more reporting to do before you can identify those teams. But do we have any sense about the Blazers and how willing they would be to actually trade Robert Williams when he's out for the season and by all accounts we're not going to see him until next season yeah the Blazers will be very open that's that's not up for debate they're, they'll be very open if they feel like they can they get the right deal in place you know they're they're open the Blazers as we as we know they're they're in the youth movement right now so they have um they have nothing but time on their side and you know some players don't fit the development arc of most of the the youth they have on that team. So Robert Williams is somebody who is definitely available um, given the right price. And I, I will say this, um, Ime Udoka is has always and still remains very fond of Robert Williams. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if Houston could be in the mix uh, for something like that. No firm reporting on that, but just knowing he made, knowing the relationship he has with Robert Williams, how he how he feels about him still to this day, 
wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if 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 Houston um you know went out there and tried to try to make something happen. So maybe down the road in a in a in a in a, in a podcast very soon I'll have more firm reporting on what I'm hearing on Robert Williams. All right. Sounds good. We'll take that. All right, Stein. Give me your final guy. Team player. What you got? I want to talk about Kyle Kuzma in Washington. A player who I've always rated very highly. Not that my rankings really factor in much here, but I think Kuzma's situation is incredibly interesting and bears monitoring not just now before this deadline because he might not move in this transaction window, but Washington re-signed Kyle Kuzma to a really good value contract. 90 million over four years. This is year one. Kuzma's in the 25 million range this season, but the value of the contract descends. It goes down all it goes all the way down to 19 million in year four. And he is I think he could be such a productive player on a good team. We've seen that before in stretches with the Lakers. You know, obviously I'm not I'm not gonna pay too much attention to what's going on with a really bad Wizards team, you know. He's not going to win defensive player of the year playing in Washington. I think that's clear, but he is, he can do a lot of things on the court. I think Kyle Kuzma is a much better defensive player than he's given credit for. And I know I reported this on my Substack Sunday as well. I know that the Mavericks have inquired with Washington about Kuzma's availability. I reported that on my Substack as well on Sunday. I know the Sacramento Kings remain very strong admirers of Kuzma. And though when you think about those kind of teams, you know, Dallas has Luka and Kyrie. Sacramento has De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Pascal Siakam, who was in the market for a max contract and by all accounts is going to get a max contract from the Pacers or something close to it, he's a very expensive player to add to your team. But Kuzma on the deal he's on, I mean, that deal in the current marketplace in today's NBA is an absolute bargain to me because of how productive and how versatile Kuzma is. And that's why the word is the Wizards don't just want two first round picks for Kuzma. The, w- the way it was framed to me is they want picks better than what Toronto got in the Siakam deal. And the hmm. reason the Wizards think they can get that is because Kuzma's on this deal, this four-year deal that is so much easier to plug into a team payroll than it would have been to trade for Siakam when he's headed to free agency and is looking for a four-year max. So the Wizards do not have to rush. The truth is, it's not just Kyle Kuzma. Daniel Gafford and Tyus Jones are also generating lots of interest. And I would expect the Wizards to be patient here. They maybe one or or even two of these guys, maybe all three, it is, I don't want to say it's impossible that we see these players traded before the trade deadline on February 8th. 
but the Wizards absolutely have to maximize the return that they get for a Kyle Kuzma, for a Daniel Gafford, for a Tyus Jones. Remember, last June, the Wizards traded Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis and did not get a single outright first-round pick in either trade. Yes, they got some pick swaps in the Bradley Beal trade, but the Wizards had no leverage. Beal, of course, had the only no-trade clause in the league at that time. Porzingis was going to just... He had an offer from Utah. He could have gone to Utah in free agency, and the knowledge that the Jazz had interest is what enabled him to force the trade that ended up happening with the Boston Celtics. And so Washington traded away two former All-Stars and got back no first-round picks. You know that the Wizards want to make up for all the first-rounders they didn't get when they had to send Beal and Porzingis away. And so I'm gonna. that's something I think, besides DeJounte Murray, besides Bruce Brown, I think that's one of the most significant stories that we really need to watch here in these last two plus weeks before the deadline. Will anyone out there come up with the draft capital needed to satisfy the Wizards and pry a Kuzma, a Gafford, or a Tyus Jones away from them? Mm. And again, regarding Kuzma, they want a return that was loftier than what Toronto got for Pascal, huh? And the re and and here's and in terms. I of get picks, the reason. In yeah, terms in terms of, of picks. In terms I, of picks, I, because look, the Raptors got three first round picks, but two of them are in this coming draft, which yeah. the twenty twenty four draft is much maligned. So getting mm. two firsts in the twenty twenty four draft doesn't really wow people. They did get a twenty twenty six pick from Indiana. That's I believe top four protected, but the draft capital that Toronto got in the trade has not been treated as some absolute Rudy Gobert-esque haul. And that's why I think the Raptors are so excited about this ability to maybe do something with Bruce Brown in the next two plus weeks so they can make the overall package they got for Siakam look better on paper than it does right now. Hmm. Okay. I do want to say something. I want to go back a little bit. Portland. We're talking about Portland. You brought up uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, He's somebody to look out for as well at the deadline. I do want to say this, Stein. On my last, I believe it was my last um, Bleacher live stream I did where I had Yusuf Nurkic on. Your second to last. Second second to last. last. Thank you. Second to last. I have uh, Phoenix Sun Center Yusuf Nurkic on. And y'all go look that up. I haven't seen it. Stein said he he can you can go back and go on BR's page and go look at my um interviews or my live streams. But I had Nurkic on and I I reported prior to Nurkic coming on, I reported about the Suns out there in the market for a defensive wing forward, a forward type player. And Nurkic came on, and I told Nurk, and I said, yeah, I just reported about, you know, the Suns. This is what they're looking for. Looking for an athletic forward. That's what they're looking for. And they're not in the market for a point guard. And I told Nurk that. And so he started talking, you know, he started talking about, like, 
you know, he can see that. He can see the need for that. But but then he brought up Brogdon by himself. He said, but if there's somebody like Brogdon that's available, I don't know how how you can't try to go after him and try to get him. Y'all might want to check that out. Uh, I, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he brought up Brogdon out the blue. Wasn't even asked about him. I uh, didn't ask about him. I didn't say anything about him. Uh, I didn't even mention a point guard. Again, I, I was reporting about the Suns feel like they don't need a point guard because they got so many players that need the ball in their hands and they don't want to take the ball out of their three stars' hands. When you're talking about Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, and Kevin Durant. And then Nurkis just unprompted said, hey, yeah, but if somebody like Brogdon is available, I don't see how you don't try to go after him. So, um, I don't know if uh, you know. I don't know if that's saying much. Uh, I don't know if that is a, uh, you know, the front office may have its own. Obviously, they have their own their own idea of Nurk of isn't what in charge of the front office. I don't think so. Last last I last I saw, I think he, his his title was center. That's the last <laughs> last I saw. Title was center. I, I don't think it, it was no front office title. Uh, but it's still it's still interesting, intriguing to hear from a player standpoint, somebody who's in the thick of it, kind of hear what they feel like they need. So uh, y'all go check that out when y'all get a chance. Well, I think we've at least covered in this time together. We've found a way to mention numerous players who are being talked about as the trade deadline approaches. We've discussed a bunch of different scenarios and introduced some new trade ideas and we will do it again. You and I will get together very soon and I'm sure we will continue to talk trade deadline. Remind me what is your what is your TV slate look like this week? Where are you headed? How many games uh, do you have? Just this week I have one game this week but it's a very spicy very spicy game. Going back to LA baby. Tuesday, Clippers Lakers. All right. Well, something tells me, Clippers, Lakers, you will, when it was thunder at Clippers last week, you came away from that with a notebook bursting with gems. So I fully anticipate the same when you return from time in that Clipper huddle with your guy, Russ, Lakers, LeBron's got the special towels that no other player in the NBA has. I remember that from <laughs> his Cleveland days. He has these industrial strength personal towels with him on the bench. So I have no doubt that even though it's only a one-game week for you instead of two in terms of sideline assignments, by the time we do this again, and I'm guessing it will be probably a Wednesday night taping, we'll pencil that in. You will have no shortage of material to share with us. Nah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. And, you know, you know how much I love L.A., so I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But Stein, before you close, I want to say something. I got a little bit of a confirmation um, on the last story I told in our last episode about how I like to go when I was a kid, how I would go into restaurants and I would go to the restroom and check out the restroom, see how nice and tidy the restroom was. Okay, and that would out, determine out, to me. Before you, say it, before you say anything else, so last week uh-huh. after we ended the show... Not yeah. Yes. Our last show we ended with ten minutes of urinal talk. That wasn't was enough. You felt you felt like you needed to bring it back for one for one more. Can I episode. say it? Yes, because I got confirmation. I am not alone. So, anyways, as y'all know, I have a great host when I do my Bleacher Report live streams. Her name is Paige. Uh, you probably most people probably know her as that sports page, PK. Um, before we did our live stream, she said, Chris, I listened to you guys' podcast. And she said, I have a friend who does this today. She will go into the restroom today. Not as a kid when I did it. Today, she goes into the restroom and she checks it out. And that gives her some type of inclination or a feeling of how the food is going to be. And just like I did, she said, most oftentimes, if the restroom is clean, the food is good. And she so she she felt she felt very strongly about sharing that with me, Stein, because she didn't want me to feel like I was alone, like I was alone in this world, out of place, like I was an oddball. So she confirmed that for me. She said there's a lot of other people like that. And so I wanted to share that with people who might have thought, why is Chris sharing this secret? 
Why is Chris doing this? I'm doing it because there's more of us out there, and I want us to all to stand proud. And that is it, Stein. I'm somewhat speechless. <laughs> I was never questioning your strategy. My only two questions about it were, A, why this was such a focus for you at the age of six, seven, and eight. I think yeah, in adulthood, I, I in adulthood, I would understand it more. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not disputing the methodology of it. It was really more that it took over your mindset at such a young age, but really just that you were like, that you felt that a 10 minute chunk of this league uncut should be devoted to this topic. That was really more my curiosity. Well, Steve Ballmer, you have to remember, Steve, Steve Ballmer opened the door. He he raved about the urinals. No, you're right. So that, I can't. Yeah. Dis- I cannot dispute that. Yeah, Steve Barber. But now that we've talked, did, to, now that we've talked about it on two straight episodes, I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we could put a until we could, we could close until that chapter. Clearly, until <laughs> the first time you or I go to the Intuit Dome, and then oh, for sure. Oh no, it's coming back there. Actually, it's no, but back there. You said on the last episode, the most important thing you said on the last episode was. That Steve Ballmer yep. wants to come on the show. Yep. He say he'll come on for sure. All right. So we got to sure. we got to stay on that after the trade deadline and see if Steve Ballmer will come on. I might just have to mute and let the two of you guys just take over. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I, you know. This is, so I, I, let me apologize. Yes. So we have at minimum and I, I, I won't say minimum. We have max two more episodes within the next two in the next seven or eight months of which urinals will be brought back up because it will be brought up when we have Steve Ballmer on and it has to be brought up when me and you officially a visit into it dome because I have to see if the fuss is really what it's been worked up to be. That's it. Two and that's it. Two for the rest of 2024 and you won't hear no more talk from me. That's it. All right. We will hold you to that promise and we will try in our next episode to bring it back and keep it focused on the onrushing NBA trade deadline. That will do it for this edition of This League Uncut. As always, if you haven't already, please follow the show. Please rate and review the show. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You heard it directly from Mr. Haynes. He'll be on the sidelines for TNT Tuesday night. Clippers and Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. He and I will get together as soon as possible after that to record another episode of this show. Everyone, stay tuned. We will be back with you soon. And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom Shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein! I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 